Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. In light of that, I can I can have empathy, you know, and instead of seeing it as this is a bad behavior, I can say I understand and they're looking for love, they're looking for validation, they're looking for a tribe, they're looking for a family, they're looking for identity. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, there comes a time when every child steps into adulthood and begins making their own choices. And sometimes those choices are ones we agree with, and sometimes they are choices we don't agree with. What do we do when that happens? How can we continue to deepen our relationship with our adult kids while navigating our own heartache? And how can we develop new rhythms that either reconnect us or keep us connected to our adult kids? That's what we're tackling today. Mary DeMuth is my guest, and she is an international speaker, a podcaster, and the author of over 40 books, including both fiction and nonfiction. Her most recent release is Love, Pray, and Listen, a book she wrote for parents of adult children. Mary lives in Texas with her husband of 30 years and is mom to three adult children. Welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast, Mary. It is so great to be back. Thanks for uh, entrusting another message to me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity um, to have a conversation uh, about this as well. If you missed the first episode I did with Mary, we'll put a link to that in uh, the show notes. But Mary, this particular book hits um, really hits home for me. You know, um, my Empty Nest Full Life book uh, was a book that I wrote to uh, really help empty, empty nest moms. And honestly, many dads have read it uh, to navigate the waters that, you know, we really nobody prepares us for. Mm -hmm. And I do talk in the book a little bit about what happens when our kids make choices we don't agree with. And you just kind of go a little bit further with that message in this book. So, you know, every book has a story. Tell us a little bit of your story and ultimately why you wrote this book. Well, a couple of years ago, I was in um, an online prayer loop, and there was an uh, someone on that prayer loop that 
often shared her prayer requests about her adult kids. And this was before my kids were adult kids. Um, They were in high school and less. But she was so broken up and sad about the choices of her kids. She had had a view that you know, that they were going to have like a compound when they were older and all the kids were going to live in this compound area and all the grandkids were going to be right there and they were going to be super close. And this was her expectation and all of her kids went the other way. And I watched mm. her joy rise and fall and mostly fall on the decisions of her adult kids. And I made a little note to myself and said, Lord, please, if that happens to me, if my kids stray or they make decisions that I'm not, not happy with, please help me to find joy anyway, and may their choices not inform my joy. And so that was kind of this little seed that started it several years ago. And, and then, of course, I had adult children who exercised their free will as they are wont to do, <laughs> and I got to test it. So that was fun. <laughs> yes, of course. And honestly, many Many of our adult children do. Uh, part of it is how they learn. Part of it is they're, they've got to learn on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to make their own way. But oftentimes, especially when those expectations are dashed, boy, it can really feel like the rug got pulled out from underneath of us, can't it? It can. And I think you know, you and I were parenting in the same era, and it was during the era of reading a lot of parenting books <laughs> mm-hmm. where we were like, we're going to do different than our parents, and we're going to work on this and try super hard. And even though I don't think the parenting books, some maybe did, but most of them didn't say, if you do this method, everything's going to be awesome in the end. But there was that implication there yes. that if you did the right things and checked off the right lists and you put your kids through the parenting machine, they were going to get, you know, plopped out perfect and loving Jesus and all great choices. And none of that is true because we birthed a bunch of sinners. So, um, I was disappointed. Like I, Lord, I did all the right things, quote unquote, you know, of course I made like 7,000 mistakes, but I think a lot of us get tripped up by that. Yes, I agree. I think that um, that there is a formula. And I think that even the church can, um, you know, can kind of um, maybe make that message, imply that message even more, you know, that if you do A plus B, you'll get C. And I don't know that anybody says it, but I agree with you. It it is implied. Um, there's an expectation that gets set up, and that doesn't take into consideration free will. It doesn't take into consideration um, just even different temperaments and different personalities, and all of that. And I think deep down inside, I don't know that many of us would say that we expected a mini me in some way. But I think some of us have kind of expected that our kids would follow in our footsteps. After all, our footsteps were intentional. So why Mm -hmm. wouldn't they want to follow in them? (laughs) (laughs) We worked so hard too. I know. (laughs) Such a great path. And we, you know, hacked away at the weeds and we pioneered a new way. And what the heck? (laughs) So it's so frustrating. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so... I think that all of that plays into this expectation and then our expectation gets dashed when they make different choices than we imagined. 
And so for sure, I think that, um, we need a better way to think about this. And man, I love your story that, um, you know, about the mom that was in that prayer group, because I think a lot of us do attach our joy to our children. And I recently heard somebody say that a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. Mm. And I, you know, it, that, statement really kind of rubbed me wrong personally, because I'm like, that's not the way it should work. Um, our joy needs to be internal, not based upon our circumstances and based upon what our kids do. And so let's talk about that just a little bit more. How do we untangle our joy from our kids' decisions? I think that's where we have to look at the life of Jesus. And we know that he was joyful. Of course, he was a man of sorrows as well. He had all the emotions, but he was experiencing a humanity, um, all of humanity that has rebelled against him. And yet he still had joy. And it said for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So there's just a lot of joy in Jesus's life um, that is not determined by other people's choices. That doesn't mean he didn't grieve when Peter denied him three times. It doesn't mean those things. But I have to remember that um, another thing that has really helped me is thinking about the Garden of Eden and that God had wayward adult kids. Um, and mm-hmm. he understands what that's like, but he also, if you take it to the nth degree, he has that on a scale of billions. <laughs> All of us have gone astray. Each of us have gone our own separate way. So God, our father, the perfect father had rebellious two kids. And then the rest of the human race has been rebellious. And yet he still does his work. He still changes lives. He doesn't throw his hands in the air and say, these humans, I'm done with them. Um, except for maybe the flood. He was a little upset there, but, uh, <laughs> but he, you know, he's still doing his work. And I think one of the things that the enemy is trying to do today to parents of adult kids is he's taking out our kids. He is telling them lies. He's feeding them identity lies in all sorts of different ways. And he's taken them out. And he also is taking out the parents as a result. And so he gets two victories. So my heart is, okay, I'm going to pray for my kid. <laughs> I'm going to get on my knees. Sometimes I'm going to cry on my floor, which I did this year. But I'm not going to let the enemy have a second victory by letting it um, cause me to not do the work that God has for me. Mm, yes. Yes. And talk about that work. What kind of work does God have for you? What do you, when you say that, what does, what do you mean by that? I think you've touched on this in your book as well, is that this is a time of our life that is probably the most fruitful period of time because we've gained an incredible amount of wisdom. We're, we tend to be more financially free when we, we get that raise after our kids aren't in college anymore. Mm-hmm. We threw a party. We're so excited. Yes. Um, but we have that freedom, plus we have such life experience. And so this should be the most fruitful time of our lives. And I've seen a lot of parents of adult kids just kind of diminish after they see the result of, you know, this was what my parenting was. My kids walked away and they stopped going to church as well. And and so uh, I just want to push against that because I think this is our most, most fruitful time. 
Right. That makes total sense. And it is. And then, but then we can get so pulled down and so discouraged that we miss out on that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it, uh, it not only steals our joy, it distracts us, doesn't it? We can become obsessed with it. And I'm, I'm coming to you as someone who's had, has had periods of the time where I was obsessed with it, where I was asking all the questions. Why did this happen? What can I do? What did I do wrong? Um, you know, I definitely have done that. So I don't want to come to the conversation saying, well, I'm joyful all the time and everything's easy. Um, I've had to work through it and it was hard work to get through to that other side. But ultimately, you know, I still struggle, but ultimately I realized that the joy of the Lord is my strength and my happiness should not be tied to the decisions of others. Um, I can find joy in the Lord like David did. You know, he just kind of mustered up that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hope in the Lord. <laughs> he just kind of made himself soul. Go ahead and glorify and magnify the Lord. So it is a choice that we can make. Yes, yes, it is. And it is a choice we need to make. Um, but I think a lot of times we don't even realize that we have that choice. Mm-hmm. And um and that part of that is the work. It's the work of changing our thinking. Um, it's the work of not taking things personally and and kind of digging into why we struggle to take something personally. Don't you see that uh, with a lot of us and uh, our adult kids? We take our kids' actions and we make them about us. Yeah, which is pretty self-centered if you think about it. <laughs> and I, you know, I'll just admit it for me, like some of my kids' decisions, I was like, how is this going to look like for me? You know, and that is really dumb um, and a fruitless way to think. But one of the things that I'm learning, and I, I don't even think I really explicitly said this in the book, but it's something I've been learning lately, has been that the Lord has placed our adult children in our lives to teach us how to love. And it also reveals our prejudice. It reveals our lack of love. It reveals our performance-based love. It reveals a lot of things about our hearts. So if we could kind of change the narrative, instead of saying, my kid's doing all these terrible things, instead say, the Lord has given me someone to love that's hard for me to love. Therefore, I need him more to love that person. And I'm going to learn something about myself in the process. Yes. Yes. And most of us don't realize how immature our love is, do we? (laughs) Yes. It really is. I mean, you know, that during my dark marriage season, um, 10 years ago, that was probably one of the biggest lessons God taught me is that my love was immature. I didn't know. I knew how to love someone who was loving me back. I didn't know how Mm. to love someone who wasn't loving me back. Um, and you know, even with our adult kids, um, I know how to love them when they're doing things the way I want them to love Mm -hmm. to do things, but it's harder when they're not doing things the way that I want them to be doing things. It is. I mean, Jesus talks about that, you know, sinners, even sinners love people who love them back. So yes, like, wait a minute. Oh, shoot. So love is a lot more than that. And um, I also think, too, that the question that our adult kids are asking us is, will you love me even if? And, you know, Mm. some of my kids have 
definitely, they haven't said that with their words, but they said it with their actions. Even if I do the thing that you hate the most, even if I make the decision that you're freaked out about the most, will you love me even so? And I think really what has helped me to kind of uh, disentangle it or make it less stressful has been to say to myself, my adult child is simply a human being looking for love. They may be looking for it in an inappropriate or weird place that's going to harm them down the road. Um, but ultimately, they ha- their underneath goal is, I just want to know if I'm loved. And so I in light of that, I can, I can have empathy, you know, and instead of seeing it as this is a bad behavior, I can say, I understand. They're looking for love. They're looking for validation. They're looking for a tribe. They're looking for a family. They're looking for identity. They're looking for all sorts of things. Um, You know, maybe financial stability is what they're looking for. There's all sorts of things that we can, you know, put in that list, but um, ultimately they want to know, am I loved? Yes. That is a work of the Lord that I can ask the Lord to help me to love them. But ultimately, I cannot make them understand that the Lord loves them. That is a work of God that happens through the Holy Spirit. And I can just get on my knees about it. Yes. And uh, you can be the hands and feet of Jesus by loving well Yes, on, uh, as well. And what would you say, though, to the parent that feels like, if I show them love, they're going to think that I'm agreeing with their choices. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus and Paul both talk about speaking about truth and to doing it, to do it in a loving manner. And I look at the life of Jesus in particular, and he said some pretty hard things to some folks, and yet he was love personified. So I don't think it means that we like fall down and say everything's permissible and it's awesome. What I would say is be clear once and then be quiet. Um, State it once and then they know. And if they've been raised in your home, they already know. You probably don't even need to say it once. But at least if you need it for your own clarification, say, this is not something that we believe is biblical or whatever it is that you're trying to say. Um, Say it once and back off because um, you're not the Holy Spirit to them. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But uh, it is definitely okay to say, I disagree with that. We're in a world that cancels each other out. Um, We're in a world that believes that love means I approve of everything that you do. We need to have a different ethic. I love you. (laughs) I may not agree with you, and here's why, but I still love you. And I think it is possible to have those two things intact and hold them in tension, even in the midst of a society that says you cannot do that. Mm Hmm. Yes, I agree. And but I love what you just said. Say it once and then be quiet. That is so powerful, and that's easy to uh, remember. I know in my book, I also say, "Say, uh, pray, don't say." Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean that we never say anything, but it's like oftentimes we need to pray about it much more than we need to speak Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I. I think that that is absolutely correct. I used to teach at a, a Hearts at Home for a couple of years. I taught a workshop called When Your Child Says, My Life, My Choice. Mm. And um, and one of the things that we I talked about in there is, you know, 
if you, if your child is making choices outside of what you believe are the best for their life, um, are right or wrong, um, all of that, you know, 99% of your conversations need to be not about that thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, 1% of your conversations need to be about that thing. But once they know where you sit, then you're done with it. So I absolutely, absolutely believe um, that that is a wisdom that we need. So your book is called Love, Pray, Listen. Before we leave love, I'd like to talk about each one of those. Before we leave love, though, um, you're, you laid out the book with the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's often read and at weddings and that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, it's our love is patient, love is kind, mm-hmm. all of that. So uh, what was your, uh, you know, if if you had to like say, why did you choose to lay out the book that way? Why was the love chapter so important for you? Well, it came during a time where I was rapid reading the Bible and just making all these amazing connections because um, because when you're reading in a truncated period of time, you make all these connections between the whole Word of God. And I realized, you know, that Paul had written this not to a bunch of people getting married, obviously, but to a broken church with a broken community. And as I was praying about writing the book, I just felt like the Lord said, that's your metaphor. That's what you're going to walk through because people don't understand it. They need to learn what it really means to love and not just in a marital sense, but in, you know, what does love look like with your kids? And so I unpack each of those phraseologies that go to back to the Greek and we talk about what that actually means in, you know, practice. Mm-hmm. One of the things I talk about love is catching your kids being good. And we are so critical as parents and we tend to just look at what's wrong that we forget to praise our children or find them doing something amazing and praising them. And so that's just one little thing that we can do to call them out and doing something great. Yes. Yes. And especially when it feels like they're headed in a wrong direction, that's all we can see is the wrong direction. And we really need to move our eyes to see the places we can affirm them and we can encourage Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, I have a, uh, it's a, I took first Corinthians 13 and personalized it into very practical, uh, personal ways that we can apply this to, uh, our kids. We did that in uh, no more perfect kids. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, for those of you that are listening, I will put a link to that printable if you want to um, really uh, get practical about 1 Corinthians 13 and um, applying that to your parenting, even with your adult kids. All right. So we've got love. All right. Let's talk about pray. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? What does it look like to pray for our adult children, Mary? Sometimes it means crying. (laughs) Sometimes it means um, asking others to pray or to process with other godly friends. Um, Sometimes for me, it actually has meant writing out prayers for my adult kids and giving it to them. Mm. Um, Now, that is not something that you would do with someone that might be really wayward and would see that as a threat. But for um, the kids that would appreciate that, then I've given that to them. Um, And it means to regard or to understand or hold in your mind that God is sovereign and that he understands and loves your kids far more than you do. And I think also in prayer, the thing that I'm learning more lately is that 
we are often prescribing to God how he's supposed to answer our prayers. And he is the creator of the universe. He is wildly creative. And so I'm learning now to pray instead, instead of, Lord, I want you to orchestrate this thing to happen. I want them to make this decision. Instead, Lord, you do what needs to be done to get their attention. You love them more than I could ever love them. And so I'm going to trust you for your plan. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't know if it's going to be when they're 43, they come back to the Lord, or if it's next week, or it's never. I don't know. But I do trust that God is big enough and He understands them well enough to bring them on a journey. And all I have to do is look back to my 20s when I made all sorts of weird decisions, and yet the Lord still loves me. And so if I can give little Mary, who is really insecure and (laughs) and impatient in her 20s, if I can give her some grace, then surely I can give my kids grace as well. Yes. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And one of the things that I think is so important for us to realize is that sometimes, you know, when we're doing prescriptive prayer. That's what I call that. It's prescriptive prayer. I'm telling, I'm prescribing to God what he needs to do. (laughs) Just follow along with me, Lord. (laughs) Exactly. I've got it all figured out. And, you know, I mean, you said he's a creative God and sometimes the way that he's going to do that is going to be far more creative than what I could ever even imagine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we have to trust that he has resources we don't have. He has perspectives we don't have. And, you know, I believe it's in John 5, it says, um, my father and I are always at work. Mm -hmm. So we have to trust that he is working. Because I think that Oftentimes when we don't see something happening, we question if he's working or we even accuse him of not working. Why aren't you doing this? Mm-hmm. But truth tells us that God is working, even if we can't see it. Mm-hmm. So very important. So we need to love. We need to pray. Let's talk about listening. What what does that look like in listening to our adult kids? Unfortunately, we live in a world that does not listen anymore. We cancel each other. We yell at each other online. We assume negative intent of people left and right. And we um, vilify people if they have one part of their life that we don't like. And maybe everything else aligns, but we don't like this one thing. So we cancel or, you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. so... I've seen that this is a huge issue with parents of kids in their 20s and 30s, especially politically and maybe around the church as well, where you've come to this opinion that your view of church model or your view of politics is the only biblical view. And therefore, if your kids have a different opinion, then it is your, it behooves you to set them straight. And so that causes a lot of problems around Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter tables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it causes a lot of pain. But what I have found is that when I listen, I learn something and I find common ground. So if my kids and I differ, let's say, on the issue of abortion, that's a huge one right now. Mm-hmm. Um If I ask good questions and listen to them, I see that their underlying motivation is the 
the flourishing of humankind. And so we can find some common ground there and say, I too really want to see humankind flourish. We mm-hmm. may approach it from different angles, but I really affirm that that's a great motivation to have. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of conciliatory way of talking to people, it's just the art of conversation that we've lost during COVID because we forgot how to talk. Um, Mm -hmm. We have that kind of conciliatory listening attitude. We're going to have some really life-giving conversations with our kids, but we will shut them down immediately if we tell them our way is the only appropriate way of viewing things. Yes. Yes. And, and you're right. I mean, your words, we will shut them down. Our goal is to not shut them down. It's to make conversation with us safe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we want. We want to be able to be a safe place for them. And if they feel like they're just getting a lecture from us, then they're going to stop talking. And that's, that's going to break down that safety. And that's why it's so important that as parents of adult kids, we become incredibly curious. Mm. Why do you think that way? But not in a judgy way, just I'm curious. I don't know. So I want to know, why do you think that way? Or what, what comes to mind when you think of this? And have you ever thought about it this way? And it just, being curious is so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's something we le- we learned when we lived in France. So in France, we were church planters and we would sit around a table with our French friends and they would have these like major arguments. And it, as an American, I was really stressed out because in my mind, I thought if someone argues, it means there's a winner and a loser because Americans want a winner and a loser. Mm-hmm. But they were like so excited about having the conversation. And then halfway through the dinner, they would switch their position a hundred percent and they would argue the other side and they'd be so happy. And then they would kiss each other on the cheek and leave. And I was like a total wreck. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these people hate each other, but then they would kiss each other. I'm like, what is this going on? And I realize that there is some beauty in understanding someone else's perspective and that an argument doesn't need to have a winner and a loser, but a really good argument has two winners, two people that understand what's going on in the other's heart. Mm, Yeah. And I would even position, I don't even know that it needs to be an argument, but a, a conversation Uh, Mm -hmm. and the goal is understanding we are to, we really, we, most of us listen to disagree, to debate, or we listen to say our piece Mm -hmm. and we need to listen to understand. We need to listen to tune in to what is going on inside of the other person. That's such a gift. It is. And I think we simply just need to use the golden rule. When when you think about the person in your life or the people in your life that are the most life-giving, they are the safest and you can say almost anything and they'll be like, I love you anyway. And they'll listen to you anyway. And they'll push back once in a while, but, but for the most part, they're a safe place. And so if we want to be like what we love, then we want to also be that safe place. Mm-hmm. I found that the phrase, tell me more, can be a really powerful, it's so simple, it's easy to remember. But when somebody says something, especially when you want to raise up, like it mm-hmm. once something raises up in you, a great way, um, it, you know, to not raise up is to just say, well, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to have time to even calm down and then mm-hmm. to listen to their heart. It invites them to share more. 
so very powerful in all conversations, but especially with our adult kids. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of bring this to a close, Mary, um, let's just say somebody's listening today and they have a wayward child. Um, what what encouragement would you say to them? What would you say to them when they're feeling uh, overwhelmed, terribly disappointed, mm-hmm. um, not quite sure what to do? Um, what what words of encouragement would you bring to them? I think first I would say it's absolutely okay to grieve and it's necessary that we do. We have a most a, a great majority of the Psalms are lament Psalms that David penned. And one of the exercises I bring people through in the book is how to write your own lament Psalm. I think if we never say it out loud or we never grieve it, it, it just stays as this nebulous sadness. So mm-hmm. grieve it and name it and say that you're upset. Be mad at God. It's okay. He can handle it. He's got really big shoulders And then I would say, um, be sure you're processing with mature believers about your pain. Mm. And then um, also to speak to those who have been ghosted by their kids, which this is a pretty large population these days, um, to realize that that doesn't mean it's forever. And the Lord, as you mentioned so adeptly in the earlier part of this interview, He's always working. And there can be joy Uh, in that journey. And the thing I think of when I'm going through something like that is there is this identification that happens in your relationship with Jesus when you Mm -hmm. suffer unjustly. And so there's this, I I guess I want to say there's this tenderness and depth to your relationship with Jesus that's going to come as a result if you lean into it, that is going to change you forever. And in that way, you can almost thank the Lord for your wayward kid because they're going to cause you to run to Jesus in ways that you never have before. Mm -hmm. Yes. In fact, uh, I believe it's first Peter too, isn't it? Um, About, let me see if I can actually find it here, because I think this is really important. I think it's first Peter 2.23. It says, this is speaking of Jesus. Um, when he hur- when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Mm-hmm. And so really, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't d- gone before us. And so definitely Jesus was, you know, if you view that as being mistreated, Jesus was mistreated and yet he showed us what to do even when we were being mistreated. And that is uh, to entrust ourselves to the one who's at work and the one that judges justly. That's a beautiful reminder to us that we can get our direction from God's word even in the hardest of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So Mary, where can people find you online and um, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Probably my website, marydemuth.com. And then I also have a free um, fill in the blank 52 prayers for your wayward kid. And they can get that at marydemuth.com slash LPL, which stands for love, pray, listen. Um, and then I podcast every day at the pray every day dot show. So I'm, I'm around. <laughs> 
I love it. Oh, we will make sure and put a link to that free download uh, that Mary has as well and a link to the book and her website in the show notes. So you can check that out. Mary, would you be willing to pray for our listeners? Yes. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to shine a light on you and your glory and your ability to do amazing things in the midst of our lives. Lord, we lift up um, those relationships in our lives, whether they be adult kids or somebody else who's far from you or um, we're struggling with, and we entrust them to you because you are a faithful creator. And we pray that you would do um, what is necessary, and you know the best way to do that, to woo them back to yourself. Lord, we also ask that you would give us joy in the journey, that as we are grieving and as we are walking through the pain of that, that we would still find purpose and be able to do the work that you've called us to do with joy and intention. Mm -hmm. Thank you for Jill. I pray that you would bless her ministry, and I pray for the ministry of all those who are listening today, um, that they would sense that you are your Holy Spirit is leading them, guiding them, and giving them the strength for the journey ahead. Um, for anyone with broken hearts, Lord, I just thank you so much that you are the mender of broken hearts and you bring healing. And so in this space, I ask for it. I pray all of this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.